Mandy Yakich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Hi there and welcome to Creative Matters. Today I would like to welcome photographer Eric Schusser to Creative Matters. Eric is a photographer from central Otago in New Zealand. He has a diverse style and portfolio that includes social documentary, abstract works and fine art imagery. His work is often project-based and he's fascinated by the power of text and photo together. He is drawn to the big skies, dramatic weather and season changes and the graphic wide open spaces of the South Island of New Zealand, which he has explored extensively in his 36-year career as an outdoor education teacher. Eric's photographic practice is expanding and he is developing an interest in the abstract beauty to be found in urban spaces and to appreciate people more and the importance of telling stories. Eric is intrigued by photo books and has published four books, two of which are collaborative works with his wife Anne-Marie Hope Cross, exploring her journey with breast cancer and his role as caregiver. He wants his viewer to make an emotional, intimate connection to an image, project or photo story where something resonates with their life experience, their humanity. This intimate, emotional style reflects his involvement over 13 years as both a search and rescue volunteer and 30 plus years as a volunteer frontline ambulance officer. You can see images of Eric's beautiful photographs on our blog, which is on our website, creativematters.co.nz, and of course on his website, ericschusser.com. Eric has some truly moving messages for sufferers and carers going through cancer, and how creativity and collaboration has helped him and his wife, Anne-Marie, through the tough times. You can hear Anne-Marie's story on our previous episode, episode 39. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Hi, Mandy. Very good. Thank you. It's lovely to see you and lovely to meet you. Thank you so uh, much for joining us. Uh, pleasure. Yep. And um, yeah, welcome to Creative Matters. Uh, thank you. Looking forward to taking part. Yeah, thank you. It's great. And um, as most listeners will know, I interviewed your wife yesterday, Anne-Marie Hope Cross. And so her episode is episode 39 and yours is this one. So, um, you know, it's it's a lovely thing, I think, to combine and to, to talk to you straight after Anne-Marie because you guys um, have been going through quite a massive journey in the last five, six years. And also, um, you know, your practices are, are beautifully aligned. So it seems it seems logical that I'm talking to you now. So thank you. No, thank you. No, I think it's a, you know, a good follow-on as well because, like you said, um, yeah, we've been going on, you know, on a journey and... Yeah, that's one of the positive aspects of that you know, medical event is that it's helped develop both our art. You know, it's that's one of the, right. one of the yeah. positives, if you like, of a, a not a particularly pleasant situation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you're on this breast cancer journey, um, which yeah. started in 2017, and, you know, 
there's so much learning and, and interesting things that have come of it, which yeah. is the positive yeah. side, you know. Yeah. So yeah. we'll go into that a bit later. But yeah. just to start with, Eric, would you mind going back to your childhood and um, telling us where you were born and what kind of childhood you had? Um, I was born in Wellington, uh, Houghton Bay on the south coast there. Um, my parents, uh, I've got Scottish and Sudan German ancestry. So my dad, he was a political refugee in 1938 coming out of the Sudetenland, which was kind of handed over to Hitler. Um, he was lucky to get across to Scotland. Um, and my mum's Scottish and they met there. Co- you know, coincidentally, my dad was a swimmer and uh, he met my uncle and my uncle brought him home and the rest is history and they immigrated in 1950 for my mum's health reasons for asthma and ended up in New Zealand and yeah, it had been both amazing, amazing parents so it's very, very lucky and it's um, something you sort of take for granted uh, often about your parents and it wasn't till I started uh, my career as a secondary teacher that, and I saw how a lot of other kids' parents acted and behaved. It made me realise, yeah, how very, very lucky I'd been mm. um, that way. So, yeah, I grew up on the south coast. Um, started my photography there very, very early with my dad, just going for walks. Um, that's where I learned about my family history on the German side. Uh, learned to speak German through him. Um, we'd go for swims in the summer, and but we'd always have tripods and cameras. So from yeah, once I was about you know three or four, it was always out really? looking at south coast um, uh, sunsets in particular. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, it's amazing. Yeah. So he um, he passed on his love of photography to you. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we ended up building a dugout underneath the house. Um, I was the wee guy, so. I'd go underneath the piles with a tiny wee pick that my dad had made and that's where we started the darkroom and eventually it was big enough for him to be able to get in there after I'd scraped things out and, um, yeah, over the course of, I don't know, it must have been five years, we ended up with a underground darkroom and that's where my wow. fascination came, you know, standing in the red light and the traditional analogue photography and, you know, sort of peering over into the tray at head height and yeah. seeing this magic happen and just the smells and the, I guess the, you know, the friendship of being there with my dad and um, learning his trade, if you like. Um, mm. you know, he was a hobby photographer, but extremely good fitter mm. and turner by trade, but yeah, extremely good amateur who should have been showing his work much more was, widely, but was yeah. far too shy to do that. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. Oh, yeah. well, you can, you can continue his legacy. Yeah, I've still got all his negatives and, uh, you know, it's in my long-term plan to put that together, hopefully into a book with his work and my work under themes. Mm, yeah. That would be yeah, beautiful. But, yeah. 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 So underground darkroom, is that a common thing? I'd never heard of it. Um, oh, it was only underground because that was the only place we could put it. How amazing. <laughs> so it was, we're on a, on a hillside in Wellington, so we just dug straight in through the back of one of the rooms and, um, you know, did, we ended up jacking the house up in the air and putting a big steel beam in and concreting and then lowering the house back down onto the whole lot. Wow. Oh, that's yeah, huge. So that's a massive operation. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How Lots cool. of uncles and aunts and everybody helping out. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So Most um, of my mum's family 
came across from Scotland, so I had lots of aunts and uncles all on the same street or, you know, within two bays of, you know, each other. So I grew up with a extended Scottish family but very limited uh, German family. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful that you've got, you had your family so nearby. Mm. Yeah. Great, great yeah. way to grow up. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. 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 So were you actually um, trying your hand at photography as a young boy? Um. Yeah, my dad gave me a camera, I don't know what age I was, very, very early on. Um, I think I, th- I first remember taking photographs when I was 14 and my dad took me for a trip up onto the Tasman Glacier ski touring. And we were up there for about, you know, 10 days. And and that's the first, you know, well, that's the only negatives that I can find still existing that, you know, I know that I took. Mm, how amazing. <laughs> so I guess, you know, observing up until then and box brownie, you know, kind of stuff. But then at 14, that's when I started kind of taking photographs and um, been lucky, you know, ever since uh, with teaching or teaching outdoor education. That meant I was out in the hills a lot with kids. Um, so I always had cameras with me for that. Mm. So if I was in the snow or in the, you know, the rivers or in the bush um, on the rock, um, yeah, always taking photographs. Mm. Great so you're, obvi- you're obviously a very outdoorsy kind of guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a career, fantastic. You know, I was so, so lucky to, because I trained as a German and English teacher, but ended up never teaching German and teaching English and social studies together. And then within a year, I was teaching outdoor education and probably did virtually my whole career full-time outdoor education. Wow, um, that's amazing. Great. Yeah. yeah, what a what a good career. And good me- you- it's a good medium because um, you know, a lot of traditional subjects are kind of pocketed into pieces. And um, I guess, well, you probably know this from art teaching as well, that um, it, Things like that and like outdoor education allow you to be a lot more flexible so you can go and explore where kids want to go and look at different angles to things. And and it wasn't, for me, it wasn't so much about trying to teach kids to climb or to ski. It was about what do you learn about yourself? What do you learn about other people? Um, what do you need in terms of resilience in yourself to... Um, you know, push through struggles, um, you know, what sort of skills do you have in the way of teamwork and leadership and empathy for other people and for the environment? And so you're able to explore all these things through the medium yeah. rather than being isolated down into a wee pocket. And That's, that's right. You know, yeah. yeah, and, and arts, photography is the same way. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. slightly sort of less prescribed, I guess, and you can kind of head off on a bit of a tangent with your class. Yeah, not exactly. So sort of, you know, yeah. Yeah. the boundaries are probably a little bit more fluid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, which is yeah. a little bit the same in art in, in some respects. But, yeah, that that would have been an amazing job and doing what you love outside with, mm. with kids and, yep. and teaching all these amazing, important things. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you did. So yeah. when you were you were obviously, as you said, taking photographs as you were outdoors and doing you know, being working. Um, how did you actually sort of slip into more of a, a a photographic artist or seeing yourself as a photographer as such? And, you know, when did it shift from a hobby to 
a more serious pastime? Um, I got, I guess I got more into the photography side around about the 98, 99 mark. Um, my dad was ill up in Wellington with Alzheimer's and I decided I'd like to have some time up at home uh, with my mum to support her and with my dad. So I kind of enrolled in uh, Mesa University's Advanced Diploma course in Wellington in photography, a uh, two-year course. Um, I was very lucky that the school was looking for photography teachers at the time, so I actually ended up being paid to study for a year. Oh, wow. um, as it turned out, they decided later on they didn't need extras, so <laughs> I benefited and yeah. kept on teaching out their education. Um, That's great. And what were you actually planning then, Eric? Were you thinking, you know, what were you hoping to achieve from, from doing that course? Um, I, I guess I'd, I just wanted to learn more that, well, when you're teaching in the outdoors, you're away a heck of a lot, so it's quite hard on... Um, relationships and time because you're around so little um, and yeah I thought if if I want to be serious about photography I actually need to put some time into it so that was my opportunity um, twofold you know I had a fantastic time with my mum and my dad um, and ended up yeah completing the course getting lots of inspiration seeing uh, you know guys like Wayne Barrar uh, he was one of my main lecturers, and that was the one on exhibiting work, uh, yeah. where we had to put a whole exhibition together. As a, that was our assignment for the year, and that was the just most magnificent time. I just mm. learned so much, had so much yeah. fun, um, and you know, I'd been doing adventure-based community development work as well to help keep the dollars coming in um, in that first year in particular, and yeah, from that I decided. I really want to do more. And part of one of the assignments that I had to do as well was, um, well, which worked out being interviewing ambulance officers around central Otago. And that was my project. And I also did a project on my dad. So it was a photographic thing, taking images of him through that whole year and putting mm. that together into a story. Wow. Um, which seemed to move quite a few people. Other students yeah. that read it yeah, at the end of the year were in tears. Mm, um, I bet. And, so just, and that was, um, can we talk about that? That's really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So, so yeah. did you actually, did you have words with your photographs or was it purely photographs in the book? No, it was words and photographs. And I think that's that's something, that was my first experience of thinking there's a, there's a real power to combining words and photography together that they both complement each other very very well mm. um and yeah I, I seem to I wouldn't say it was a gift but I just seem to have that ability to pull words together with the images that kind of told a story that while it was my story other people could relate to that really yeah. easily yeah and there's so, so many people of our generation you know, dealing with, with parents with Alzheimer's or, you know, other illnesses. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine that would be really helpful. Yeah, and, and I guess, yeah, in a way, it was, I suppose, a love story, you know, with my dad mm. you know, about, you know, growing up, you know, with him and um, just, yeah, our life together and, and that changing over time. So Yeah, yeah. it's so special, isn't it? It's really Yeah, special. yeah, I think, you know, very lucky because not many people get that opportunity. Mm, yeah. And that would have been a lovely way for you to bond with him. Yeah, 
Did yeah. you ever show him the book? Um, yeah, he did see it. Um, and probably fair to say by that stage, but when it was finished, he wasn't you know, fully aware of what was going on on a lot of things there. Mm. Um, I remember my mum saying he didn't like one of the photos because I'd, I'd taken a studio shot with lighting um, with him with a bare chest. And as a you know, young man, um, he was a top uh, diver, an athlete, gymnast, skier, and you know, really good physique, <laughs> very, very impressive physique. And yeah, he didn't like it because it didn't look the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he, he was, was still the... still lean and muscular, but yeah, you know, aged. And I think that was yeah. Yeah. But obviously yeah. he was um he was noticing things if he was responding yeah. to that one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe more than yeah. we realize. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, so that that was really what got me interested in it. And then I went back teaching. Um, and then I, I got to a point, I mean, teaching is a great job, but also brutal in terms of your time and in the, if you're working in the outdoors, um, there's more to it. It's not a nine-to-five job. It's, you yeah. know, it's a profession. You're working day, night, all sorts of odd hours, weekends. Um, you're dealing and talking to and encouraging parents. You're building relationships, you know, between and around everybody the whole time. Yeah. And um, and I guess in the outdoors, you've got the added thing of so much risk management and safety paperwork. And I, I got to a point where I hit. I was just hitting sixty, and I thought it's actually starting to get really hard on my body now doing this physical job. And I thought I've always wanted to do photography. Maybe it's time. And I don't. I always remember talking to kids about. Well, you know, you got to in life. You got to look at taking opportunities, taking risks. But you need to weigh things up very carefully about what you're going to do. And I thought actually I need to live this now. Yeah. <laughs> and and, that, and it was. Pretty much, I, I just went from debating that a wee bit to putting my resignation in within a week and uh, never looked back. Mm, jumping off the cliff yeah, and making yeah, it happen. Wow. Yeah. So how did you actually approach it? I mean, it's it's a pretty gutsy move at age 60 to, um, you know, change career basically and yeah, and devote yeah. yourself to your creative practice. Yeah. So how, how did you go about that? Cool. <laughs> That's a tricky one. I just started taking lots more photographs. So um, I guess doing a lot more research, um, my photography evolved from being, I guess, individual landscape imagery or you know, images with kids in the outdoors or just landscape scenery um, to trying to work more, I guess, in a project kind of basis and look at bigger pictures, um, looking at incorporating words more, um, yeah, as it turned out with you know, Anne-Marie uh, getting ill with breast cancer, um, you know, I probably would have had to have left the job anyway to be able to look after her. Um, and I guess that opened up even more doors for us because, you know, she's a historic processes photographer. And that led me to getting an interest in that side of things as well and then looking at historically, you know, where's photography come from, and I guess looking into the wider art field. So, you know, currently I'm very interested in a, in a guy, Sean Scully, British, or well, he's Irish-born British 
living in America abstract painter and I just really, really like his work and that's starting to influence my photography. So I, mm. I roll through these different yeah, projects. So, yeah, I've just got mm. more and more interested in it, spend yeah. more and more time taking photographs, worked harder at looking at books, um, doing the website and uh, getting into galleries and things. So mm. I joined uh, Hullabaloo and the old Crom Cromwell precinct. Uh, which is a collective, so it's a bunch of us. You know, I've been exhibiting there for probably 12 years, so that helped me to give me the confidence, say, that my dad didn't have because I'm naturally pretty shy. Mm. Um, it gave me the confidence to actually put some work up and find that oh, people actually like it and want to buy it. Yeah, um, that's a great that's re realisation, to, isn't it? When yeah, yeah, it? fantastic. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, I still find it hard to believe at times, and then that's yeah. led to... Um, you know, commissions where people have, might see my work and and think, oh, uh, you know, our family's got an old cottage that they used, you know, that was our great grandfather's when he first immigrated from Scotland. Um, and, you know, let's have a chat to Eric, see if he can take some photographs for the family that way. So I, mm. I end up with quite a bit of work that way. Um, yeah. Otherwise, also, through the website and yeah. e gallery and Clyde, they do a great job marketing the work as well. And, yeah. yeah, so it just great. keeps and evolving. That's, yeah, that's quite. Um, you know, again, it's it's quite a new thing. It's it's a bit of risk taking on your part to mm. to put yeah. yourself out there and and to go yeah. so public and and to connect yourself with the gallery. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a hard hard step to take. Surprisingly yeah. hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, but but it's certainly for me. It's um, yeah, I'm not making a living out of photography, but um, I'm getting by with. Yeah, what I do, and I like what I'm doing. So mm. it allows me to um, do other things in my life that are important. So, um, yeah, winter, I don't do much photography. I'm full time skiing. Um, I'm a ardent cross country skier. That's my, that's what I'm really good at. And I've had a lot of coaching from a very good coach uh, for about 10 years, and I became a sort of understudy. So now I'm passing on that training, you know, to, you know, another generation of people to mm. keep that going through um yeah up at the snow farm in the Cadrona Valley so wow yeah I have a great amazing. time with that yeah. yeah well you've always had that sort of physical link right through your life haven't mm. you of, of yeah. doing something physical but then yeah. you've got your sort of maybe more contemplative art practice yes. yeah. which is a nice yeah. balance yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. that's interesting yeah. So um, if you if you were to talk to our listeners about your photographic style, what would you say? How would you describe it? Um, I'm a black and white specialist. I guess that would be the first thing. Um, I always loved people like uh, Ansel Adams, Minor White, um, those guys from the sort of 40s, 50s that were the black and white masters. And um, I just I just really like the, the tonal range, the blacks, the whites, the greys, the emphasis on line and texture, um, more so than colour, you know, colour landscapes, certainly. Um, so that's my specialty area. I, I guess I'm also really interested in social documentary, so the idea of, text and photo together to tell a bigger story about um, the world or um, the environment or people. Um, 
probably in the last five years, I'm a lot more project-based, so following a, a theme around something. So I certainly have landscape themes where I, I focus on particular areas of the South Island, um, but then I'm also branching off into abstract uh, imagery using photos, but it almost looks like it's a painting or an etching. Um, and yeah, different projects around the environment. I mean, currently I'm working on one. I found an old book in Russian that my dad had, um, and it's got illustrations of um, Hitler and Goebbels and yeah, all these Nazis going into Russia and what was happening to them in Russia. And I just thought, perfect that matches so well with what is exactly happening That's now right. in ukraine yeah. with the russians taking on that nazi type role um that yeah i wanted to say something about that so I, i'm just yeah it's still going in my head but it's a mm. mixture of old maps and these old illustrations but it's coincidentally they're from 1942 and you don't need to understand any Russian at all to get what it's about. Yeah. And then, you know, we're looking at 2022 in Ukraine, and it's just a nice overlap there. So that's mm. becoming a you know, personal series. I don't know what mm. I'll do with it yet, but, yeah, sometimes I just end up in personal series. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And it, it does sound like your practices, as you say, quite sort of project-based and sort of reacting or responding to what's happening in the world and what's happening around you. Yeah. 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 So um, that sort of takes us nicely on to talking about Anne-Marie and her mm -hmm. breast cancer journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're very involved. You're her carer and she's suffering breast cancer and has been for five years. Um so, you know, I have read that you said that, you know, often it's the sort of unsung heroes as, as the carer as well. You know, it's it's not often that, that people talk about um, the challenges for the carer, you know, as well yeah. as the sufferer. So, um, you know, obviously you guys have been through a lot, um, but you've also grown together through a sort of mutual love of photography and you're kind of using that as a way to yeah. sort of process your way through, um, which is amazing. So, uh, yeah, can you tell us about that journey? Um, hard, very hard, yeah. I, I guess when you get such a shock in your life, and, and I mean, Emery and I had been married eight weeks when we got that diagnosis, and it just changes your life. And um, on the good side, I guess you learn what your partner's like <laughs> when the you know push comes to the crunch, when the chips are all down. And you know, I've learnt, I guess, what an amazing woman that she actually is. Mm. Um, yeah, much more so than you can, I think, at yeah, you know, at the start of a relationship or even you know, well into a relationship. It's it's not till you you're really pushed on something that you really you find out yeah what you're worth. Yeah, in terms of supporting somebody, but also you know how how they react to things, and, and I've just seen the most incredible strength that you know inspires me mm. um, in terms of you know helping her to you know try and recover through all those different you know periods that she's had of that. Um, and I guess you know we've been lucky that we're both in a position because Anne Marie hasn't been able to work that's allowed her to 
take on the photography as a way to cope. And I guess that's what I did as well. That you know, a lot of my imagery, um, yeah, because at different times we've had treatment in you know Central Otago, Christchurch, Auckland. Um, yeah, and in Auckland, apart from Emory's yeah, immediate family, I don't actually know anybody. So my way of coping was to go out and take pictures of trees in the fog, you know, in, in a park, <laughs> at Monte Cecilia Park, and the most beautiful place that would give me a little wee break. Mm. But that became metaphoric, if you like, of the, the fog through the trees. And it was like dissolving margins because that, that's what we called our book, was dissolving margins. And it, and it was kind of, that was my part of it anyway. And then, it, yeah, it was just like things were changing all the time around me. So that became what I was for t- taking photographs of. But it was mm. also, there was a piece within that that helped me to cope. Whereas the first book that we did, which was called... Still Intrusion. Uh, Still intrusion, thank you. Um, Anne Marie's side of it was still because that's what she found. She was finding things to calm herself down. For me, that was my first experience with the, dealing with the breast cancer side of things, and it intruded into my life and our life. And I was angry about that. Yeah. So my, my imagery was um, wet roads with trickles of, you know, liquid running down the roads um, or just curves or street markers with arrows on them because, to me, that was what was happening with my life. It was all over the place. So, you know, yeah. I'd be going one way and then suddenly you're changing direction another yeah. way um, and, you know, Emery's continually being pumped through with these chemicals. So that was why there was this... Just a sense of you know liquid and intrusion, mm. and, and, um, and I guess also losing your way and you know not being on the road you'd have planned. I mean, there's there's so many yes, analogies. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so then, yeah, I combined combined that with a lot of text. Uh, I mean, for Anne Marie, it was much harder to write about it because it was so so personal for her. Yeah, personal for me too. But that, for me, that was how I helped get it out of my system. Yeah, and I mean, to, you know, to be honest, neither of us would ever have thought of doing a book um, until we, you know, experienced that together, and mm. then we decided, no, let's pop this out. And then once the second diagnosis of cancer was a second book, and then that became Thursday's Child, which was a big exhibition, um, you know, locally that we're still, you know, hoping to tour. And, and it seemed to move people. People, you know, even if they hadn't experienced cancer, they got it at a visceral gut level that, yeah, this is what it's like dealing with tragedy. This is what it's like dealing with sick relatives. Everybody's got, you know, their journey, if you like. Mm, yeah, you know, They've either had it or it's waiting on them or yeah. it's yeah. something you can't. You know, ignore so and I think just even though it's a personal story people could relate to it it made sense to them and they were moved and understood at some level yeah, yeah absolutely and I think it's it's great that you're coming from sort of two perspectives really from mm-hmm. the carer and the sufferer which yeah. is probably a little bit less usual you know often it's it's more yeah. of a focus on the sufferer so I think yeah. you know that's so important that 
everyone, you know, the, the people suffering from breast cancer or any kind of illness, they have their sort of people around them, mm. their support crew, who are yeah. so deeply affected as well, you know, in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's also a beautiful legacy to have, to record this period of time, mm. you know, and also for you two to have that together. And to be able yeah, to kind of immerse exactly. yourself in yeah. something creative to yeah. get your mind off it, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, absolute privilege. You know, that's both of us have said so often, you know, we, we don't know how anybody gets through this without really strong support, you know, from their family and friends. Um, but even when you've got that, it's still, you know, for Anne-Marie, you've still got to make that journey alone. It doesn't matter how much support you've got. It's still you've got to find that inner strength to keep on going, and and the same you know as a carer, you've got to find something within yourself, mm. you know, as well. Because at the end of the day, you don't walk away. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's tough, but you know, humans are tougher than we think sometimes. I think exactly, and yeah. more adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's often surprising what you can, you know, dredge up in mm. those times that you sort of almost surprise you. Yeah. yeah, 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 and even you know, like traveling, you know, if we've had to go out for a pet CT scan to Christchurch, well, you know, we learned that five and a half hours is too long a drive, so we stop in Tikapo and take some photographs, or I'll take some photographs there, and um, so there were ways to incorporate our respective practices, you know, into all the treatments and everything. Mm, um, yeah, so it opened doors that we probably you know, probably would have wasted time on if we hadn't been in that particular situation. Mm, yeah. I think a, a lot of people, you know, we're lucky that way that I think a lot of people waste time in their lives and um, I guess we're just a bit more aware of that in our situation. So, yeah. you know, we have that opportunity to do more. Yeah, and to live be your more best, together. live yeah. your best life and, yeah, uh, yeah work together like that is, is amazing. Well, you know, I have a lot of respect for you both and, and how you've approached that and the beautiful work that's come out of it. That's, mm. oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, moving on from the photo books, you have had a lot of exhibitions and group exhibitions and solo exhibitions, which is amazing. Yep. And as you said, you've got your website going. Um, but let's just talk about some of the different um, series that you've done. So the Southern Topographics is yep. obviously celebrating your place. And yes. they're black and white. So can you tell yes. us about those? Um, I, I guess just a reflection of my, my love of the, the South Island. Well, the, you know, everywhere that's got dramatic landscapes and central Otago, big skies. Um, I struggled to photograph it when I first arrived. What attracted me was the big blue open skies, um, which was great for colour photography, not so good for black and white. Mm. And then over time I evolved to being much more interested in the weather and the change and the wind and the cloud. Um, so my, my photography is more focused, I guess, around yeah, change in the seasons, change in the, the weather, the northwest fronts coming in, the southerlies coming in, the southerlies leaving and what they leave behind, um, the seasonal changes. Um, yeah, just mm. really attracted to all of those things. And, and Central is just ideal for black and white photography. It's yeah, and then it's got that sort of expansive land forms yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful form. Yeah. yeah, I've started getting more interested in, we've had a few trips down to 
Kakanui on the North Otago coast. Uh, it's actually where Emory and I got married on the beach down there. And um, I've started doing a, a whole series on seascapes as well because you get really dramatic. I guess it takes me back to my Wellington days and on the beach with my dad and, um, you know, the dramatic skies and sunsets and sun, you know, rises. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot more interested in seascapes as a series, if you like, as well within mm-hmm. that. And, yeah. And then urban, you know, materials starting to blend across to uh, matching up black and white pictures of old buildings with, color steel yeah i've noticed <laughs> kind of thing that. from old yeah. um amazing rusting you know corrugated iron in particular and then that the corrugated iron shots which i would take as a traditional shot they're now morphing into combining different pieces of corrugated iron into a fo- a, a collage if you like mm. um, to create an abstract totally abstract mm-hmm. image that you just wouldn't have a clue what it is and i'm always quite chuffed when people look at my work in a gallery and and I'll hear them saying something about it. It's like, is that a photograph or is that a painting or is that an etching or a print? Mm, and, and they're not right. quite sure. And, yeah. and that's I, I kind of like that because I, yeah. I like that ambiguity within the work that people aren't sure what it is. Yeah, and that um, that idea, I guess a lot of abstract work has that that. Um, factor about it that you know people look at it and take what they want from it may not be what you had intended or what you were thinking but that's kind of the joy of abstract i think yeah yeah and so the psychogeography psychogeography of place is one of your theories and so is that is that connecting with the material of um of buildings that you're talking about yeah it is yeah 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 and i i was looking for a title for it and i just that worked Perfectly, <laughs> because it was it was trying to show that that blend between place where a building is, but also the psychology behind it, and that was where the colour came into it from the corrugated iron. So you're you're combining elements, I guess, a wee bit like text and photos, but in this case, two very diverse images to tell a bigger picture, if you like. Mm, yeah, and so on your website you have those sort of alongside each other. So the yes, correct. Of, yeah, of yeah. the is it always a building and then the material next to it? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So how do you choose your buildings? Um, <laughs> I guess I, I work very photographically. I'm just moving around and I'll just see something and I stop and then I walk around and get different angles and different light. Sometimes I'll come back to a place. So I have a, in my head, I've got this enormous record of, right, I need to go back to such and such a street in winter at about 5.30 to get a certain amount of light on that building and I need a northwest clouds with it. So quite often I can go back to that place at the right time, but there's no northwest clouds. (laughs) So... (coughs) I guess what that means is I've got this big bank of images to take, but I need certain things to come together to get exactly what I'm envisaging in that place. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very much yeah, driven that way where I'll see something and I think I have a finished product in mind, but the light's just wrong time of the day. Mm, so yeah. Know, the weather's not quite right. So if you're at a social event and suddenly run out the door, we know why. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the clouds, yeah. the light, the time, perfect. Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's, that's an interesting idea, and I like the way you're sort of bringing those two elements together. It's, it's really effective as a sort of project, and it's quite sort of th- thought-provoking. Mm, yeah. Yeah, what, what, are you actually capturing the material from that building and then highlighting that? Not always, no. So sometimes it's uh, material from other buildings, which I think will match better together with just the shape and the light and the lines on that building. Mm. So not necessarily directly related. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, so the still intrusion um, series, mm-hmm. which was city-based, you've already spoken of, which was yeah. sort of in partnership with Amory um, and the dissolving margins. But you also have the series, The Colour of Anxiety, which is the black with this gorgeous yeah. kind of French vanilla colour. Yeah. yeah. What's that all about? Um, so that was 1st of January, I think it was 2019, when the um, Australian bushfire smoke came over. And I remember waking up and it was like, I woke up at nine o'clock and it was still dark. And I looked at my watch, I thought, what's going on? And opened the curtains and then there was this amazing pinky, peachy, vanilla-y kind of sky and it just it was like a lightning bolt to me that this is climate change right in our face in New Zealand from the other part of the world yeah. that had um, drifted across the Tasman. Um, so... <laughs> I guess the series basically evolved out of that. So while the photographs themselves aren't of that ash lying on the snow, for example, because I know some photographers that had done work on that, um, I've kind of created that peach effect, but chosen images and shoot images that I think where the sky and the background would match that peach colour to tell a, a... tell a story of basically a depleted earth with no humans left on it. It's almost mm-hmm. like some of the photographs, it's like people have just packed up and gone, particularly when you see it as a series and it becomes like there's nobody here. It's like yeah. the earth has changed, destroyed, everyone's gone. Yeah, And, and that's, really- I guess, my way of – and I think one of the last pieces in that is um, a piece of graffiti on a wall uh, – I'll try to think what it says now. Um, it's words to the effect of you, if you don't do something about it or say something about it, then you're complicit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And and that series really does have that feel of sort of emptiness and um, um, you sort of uh, – it, it, it's the kind of series, it's the kind of work that you sort of puzzle over, you know, and yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's interesting. And does it have any reference to the anxiety with your, the breast cancer journey? Um, no, not really. No, that one's more just a direct an anxiety about, well, I suppose it is in the sense of anxiety about the future, but not specific. But I yeah. know, I mean, just that general anxiety rolls right through, you know, my whole life. But that's yeah. more, an, an, I guess, that wider anxiety for the planet, yeah, yeah. and for yeah. you know all our futures and the futures of life on mm-hmm. Earth. Yeah. And how did you actually create that that um, color? Um, filters. So that's all 
digital. Um, so yeah, specific filters that help get that colour because that was the colour that I saw the sky. That's as yeah. close as I could get to it. Yeah. yeah, but it's really effective, isn't it, having a series with sort of repeated images that are different but still have that same sort of colour yeah. palette. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite, it's yeah. very striking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it helps join the palette or join the series together and keep it mm. coherent. That's Whereas right. if it was black and white, I don't think it would have the same coherency. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And um, just lastly on your, um, well, actually, there's a couple of things I'd like to ask you about that I could see on mm. your website. So the topology of lines looks very interesting. Is that sort of going down your more abstract way or what's happening there? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's just... Me thinking about you know taking, and I guess I'm I'm doing it in black and white as well as in colour, but it's just taking shapes, form, and stripping away things. I guess more playing with photography, so not taking it too seriously, but just looking at oh what can I do with lines, yeah, mm, yeah. and playing with that abstract idea. Mm, yeah, that's very cool. And you know the nice thing about that is there's the rest of your life you can explore that idea you know it's kind of yeah. never ending isn't it yeah. yeah and i think it's probably as i've looked more and more at um art books and art you know through the ages as well um that's kind of influenced me to think slightly differently about photography that's not necessarily having to show a view i can still i can tell a story i can show a view but i can also play and yeah. have a lot of fun and and just look at abstract lines to create beautiful shapes. Mm, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. move the viewer, no doubt. Mm. Yeah. So um, can you talk about the series? Um, um, oh, no, now I've forgotten the name. <laughs> I am changed. <laughs> I am changed. That's right. Um, and that that's really interesting because, I mean, for the first time seeing portraits, mm -hmm. um, which I presume you have photographed, and you're mixing that with text again. So uh, what's that one all about? So that that was one of the, I guess, another one of those seminal moments during the uh, Massey University course where um, I, I mentioned the, where we had to put on an exhibition. Um, so that was part of my exhibition. And it was all based around the Wairarapa, Martinborough area. And a good friend of mine, um, Jeff Stone, he'd lived in that area. And basically I went out, you know, for three, four days with him and we just drove around the area and he talked to me about why it was important to him, buildings, houses, areas. Um, sometimes I took photographs then, sometimes I didn't. And then I edited the words out um, to get some sort of key things to tell the story and then I went back to the area and shot landscapes uh, to try and match the words to get the emotion of the words connected to mm. the landscape mm. so that then became on the website it's a series of photographs and words um, in the exhibition it was a huge panel of about 49 photographs all popped together and, and I've really liked that format um, as well. I, uh, em, in fact, Emery and I both did one down in Dunedin um, on an interesting project down there called Genetics and 
all science and art and genetics and art. And the genetics department were having an international conference and they invited artists in to work with scientists. So you kind of, you'd go along and you'd hear some of these talks or you could go online and listen to them. And if you liked what the scientist was talking about, you'd contact them and say, hey, would you be interested in doing a project? And um, I connected up with this uh, young Italian woman who was doing research on the genetics of kaka in New Zealand. And she was the first one in her family to go to university and came from a tiny wee village outside Padua in, I think it's northern Italy. And so I followed her around the lab and looked at what she was doing, took, you know, scientific sort of shots. And then I went up to Orokanui, which is the um, bird sanctuary in the Dunedin area, and sort of mixed that with images of her in the lab but what interested me was her story because <laughs> mm. I just thought, oh, you've got the most amazing things that I think I could draw out of you. So I sent mm-hmm. her a series of questions. I didn't hear back for two weeks and I thought either she's not going to do this at all or I'm going to get the most amazing stuff. And about two days later, I got the most amazing stuff. Really? Wow. And, you know, I popped that into another big panel of imagery of birds, her in the lab and her words about the importance of research of good science, of how that connected to looking at how to protect kaka through potentially, you know, genetics. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it was interesting. The guy that ran the whole thing down there, he said, you know, he'd seen people looking at that in tears reading her story. Yeah, how amazing. Yeah, I I mean, that's what fascinates me with the whole photography thing that, because to me it was just, I knew it was good stuff that she was saying, but again, I think it's, and I think people are looking for that you know, in the world because things are not good in the world in general. And, and I think people are looking for some something they could connect to that's got a sense of beauty, but that, that also means something to them at a personal level. And they like, it's like a good book that just connects with you emotionally or a good film where you come away in tears. It's, it just reminds you of life and what's important and mm, what's mm. not important. And, yeah, by combining all those together, magic happens. Yeah, total yeah. magic. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And it's such a it's such a great thing that you can be involved in that kind of journey for people. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. No, it is yeah, huge, huge. It was the same with the ambulance project. I photographed and interviewed 29 people right around the country and, same thing, you know, a book came out of that, 10,000 copies that went to every AMBO in New Zealand. And wow. I mean, most of the ambulance services volunteers and they just, I think they were waiting for somebody to come and talk to them mm. because I got the most amazing stories out of them. I and, bet you did. And uh, it's so nice. And it was a way to honour them as well exactly, through yeah. telling these stories. And again, it was pieces of each person's stories, but mm. together it made a collective statement about this is what your volunteers do, this is how they cope in the job, this is how it affects their families, this is how they got into it, what motivated them. Um, And I think, you know, I mean, I did 30 years as a frontline volunteer and Alex, and I guess that's what helped me, I think, be able to get to them Mm. easily and for them to open up to me very quickly. Yeah, and for you to be able to dig a bit deeper because you, you know the stories, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really powerful, and it's a yeah. it's a great thing to be able to document that part of New Zealand and you yeah. know the people. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. Thing. Yeah, it's quite good because um, uh, Alexandra Turnbull Library from the National Library of you know, Wellington they've taken that whole project now, so that's going up to them in the next month. So it's all the imagery from the exhibition because we've got you know really big portraits of people and the text panels and then smaller ones, all the digital files, all the interviews. So that then becomes part of New Zealand's social history. Yeah. There's not much about that side no, of things. So that's Zealand fantastic. Wow. So that's yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah that's really exciting. Yeah. And I'm glad I never I'm glad I didn't throw it out. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Imagine it. Yeah. But you uh, I mean as you said, you're you're a real storyteller. Um not only just through your photog- through your photographs, but you know, creating these books and these sort of exhibitions and projects, you're uh, you're telling stories for people and for New Zealand and for yourself, you know, which is amazing. Mm. Yeah, mm. It's very interesting. Mm. So, um, if we just go back to speaking about your combined practice with Anne Marie, yep. I know that you do all the printing or the final sort of scanning and and that kind of thing for her work. So how does that work? Um, so I, well, I guess with her work, some work's original that she does on particular types of paper or particular types of rice paper and all sorts of textured paper. Um, but they're like one-off originals. But I always photograph all her work anyway. And then for prints or if she's wanting to expand on things, um, so do a limited edition series of five, um, or hand paint images, um, yeah. then I'll do the black and white print and then she'll um, add bits of colour into you know, some of her images to tell mm. her wider story with that. So it kind of it just works really well because I, I get a, I learn more about the historic side of things. So some of my work starting to change in series to looking more like old-style photography. Mm. Uh, and... Yeah, and some of her work is obviously yeah, making use of modern digital you know, techniques as well to add yeah. an extra dynamic. Yeah. So you're um, both sort of influencing each other's. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, really exciting. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a great thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, Emery's, she uses a wee mouse box. Um, mouse you know, trap. Camera with, yeah, mouse, yeah, mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell I, her I said that. <laughs> I know all about this now after talking to yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm learning you know, how to do that because I've got some ideas of things that I want to play around with that way, and I've also got ideas that where I want to take digital images, but then convert them back into um, cyanotypes using mm. her processing. So we kind of influence and trade off each other, and yeah, it's great, mm. it's really yeah. good fun, really good yeah. fun. And you seem to complement each other, and you you do the stuff that Anne-Marie doesn't like to do and yes, vice versa, yeah. possibly. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. And then, you know, obviously it's an extra added bonus um, having that mutual creative connection when yeah. you're going through something that's so challenging in other ways. So it's it's lovely to have, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's essential to have something like that because if you get stuck in your head, um, yeah, I think you end up going to really bad places and I think you go to bad places often enough, but you just need something creative really to mm. you know keep you going and to have yeah. goals to work towards. I mean, we're looking at a you know, 
a big book for Anne-Marie now, uh, which is quite exciting, um, you know, with all of her work up to date. And then, you know, if everything goes according to plan, then maybe in five years' time there's another book. And yeah. so rather than the small ones that we've been doing, we're thinking on a bigger picture now. And that's yeah. got, through doing that, working on that idea with her, um, that's got me thinking about, oh, maybe I need to look at that as well. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so just, yeah, everything keeps sparking new ideas. It's, yeah, it's yeah, so great. It's, it's, it, it's like a sort of retrospective, I guess, isn't it, in a way? Yeah, mm. Yeah. yeah, which is yeah. is really important, and that's a lovely thing to pass down to family yeah. members, and you know, yeah. for other people to have. So it's it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and her work her work's so good. I mean, it's world class. Yeah, historic processes stuff. She, I mean, she'll play it all down, but it's right up there, top of the line. Probably, probably the only. And I've heard the you know the director of the Fox Talbot Museum say this. She's probably the only artist working with some of the very, very old techniques, you know, as they were used, but also using them right up into the most contemporary ideas for contemporary art. Yeah. It's just brilliant work. It's great to watch what comes out. Yeah, I know. I mean, now that I've spoken to her and sort of learned about some of those processes and seen her beautiful work, you know, it's it's really – I just feel like I need to own something now because it's just – there's something about it. And same with your work, you know. And that's the thing with talking to people and hearing their stories and mm. what's important to them and what they're passionate about. You yeah. just you just have this whole new connection to their work. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And it yeah. just means so much more. And if I speak to an artist every week, I'm going to be poor because <laughs> I feel like I need to buy <laughs> buy a piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's it's really special. So um, I guess we need to start thinking about wrapping up but um just a couple of questions to finish eric um firstly what would you say to somebody um who is struggling with their creativity or starting out on their creative journey if i'm struggling with my photography it's just keep taking photos just keep taking photos um immerse yourself which is, I guess, what I do in other art. Um, I'm not, you know, close to what other people are doing, so I flick through, you know, all the historical art, the modern art, and that inspires me. Um, it, it clicks, unlocks doors, if you like, and suddenly all these other doors open from there yeah. that allow me to do other things. Um, yeah, that's probably the main thing, just... You be open to all sorts of things, but just keep doing it. Even if you're blocked and it's nothing's happening, you know, get the brushes out, get the camera out, mm. you know, go and walk and just wait for something to and that's how I operate. It's just like, you know, I'll walk with the cameras and it's all oh, is and then something's just caught my eye and then I'll maybe start walking around it a lot more. So I'll explore the scene from different angles, different light. And, and that's where I get those ideas, right? Got to come back there. Mm. Uh, or I might, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll get something on the spot that just is exactly what's hitting that emotional connection. And it's more than more that than an actual visual connection. It's it's the combo of the what I see, but also how that makes me feel and, the emotion tied up with that place at that particular time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can see that in your work. Mm. Yeah. And um, 
What would you say to people who are in a position similar to you of being the sort of carer or supporter of somebody suffering cancer or some other illness? Cool. <laughs> um, I'm lucky I've got very, very good, well, we both, Emery and I, have got very good friends around us, uh, in particular down here. Um, you know, neither of us have family in the area. Um, so, yeah, immediately around us, we've got friends that we just know because of those friendships that we can ask them for whatever we need any time. Um, you need to look after yourself as much as you can. I think as a particularly, you know, as a carer, you can end up caring all the time, but if you're starting to fall apart, get too tired, you can't actually help your partner so it's it's very much trying to balance things out all the time and it's a constant balance it's constantly changing but it's trying to make sure that you look after yourself that you eat well you keep your fluids up that you talk with your partner um because it can be very easy as a carer to want to take over where then your partner starts losing um, their independence so it's yeah. that juggle between wanting to do everything and make things better for the person, but you've also got to allow them the space. And sometimes that allow, that's actually allowing them the space to crash and burn where they mm. do too much. And then you have to pick up the pieces of that. And even though you know that's going to happen, sometimes you just have to let that happen because yeah. the person has to have their independence you know, as well. So it's it's a... It's a juggle. <laughs> yeah, it's a fine balance. I yeah, guess. It's, a, it's a juggle, a fine balance, but but also, yeah, it's the most amazing privilege. Mm, and that's mm. a that's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. And you know, Anne Marie, I can tell, is very grateful for the connections that you guys have and how you're working through it together. Yeah. And then you've got that beautiful combined practice, or you know, your creativity that you share, yeah. that um, would be really super yeah. helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd describe it, you know, for us, I mean, while it's been a horrible time over those five years, there's been moments of magic, moments of grace, and yeah, probably above all, you know, it's a big love story. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, Eric? <laughs> Oh, that's a bit of a moment. Yeah, yeah sorry. It's, it's, no, sorry. It's a it's a beautiful love story, and I think your messages that both you and Anne Marie have conveyed are, are going to be, you know, uplifting and and reassuring and really helpful for lots of people. So thank you so much for sharing such personal journey, and um, also for sharing your amazing art practice and process. Your work is stunning, and. Um, yeah, I hope everybody can check out your your work on your blog or on your website. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Eric, for your time, and it's been lovely meeting you. No, thanks, Mindy. You know, vice versa, it's yeah, great to be part of something and it's great to see so many stories of art coming out because that's, you know, that's part of our social documentary as well, you know, documenting people's stories and what they do and, yeah, it provides you know, opportunities, inspiration for other people as well. So, mm. yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.